Hello everyone, welcome back for the second episode of More Up, More Up Policy with me, Nigel, and my partner Ili. On today's episode, we will be discussing the topic about how the COVID-19 pandemic affects children with our credible invited guest, Juan Isian, a representative from Human Rights Commission of Malaysia, or better known by its acronym, SUHAKAM. Hi and welcome to our podcast, Juan Isian. I hope all is well for you today. Hi, thank you for inviting me. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Uh, Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh to all. So, Puan uh, Izian, before proceeding any further, can you briefly talk about yourself a little bit? Okay, uh, my name is Izian Hazwani Binti Ahmad. Currently, I am the uh, head or uh, called as Principal Assistant Secretary, Office of the Children Commissioner, Human Rights Commission of Malaysia, or better known as SOHAKAM. Um, um, for for uh, outsiders, I think a Principal Assistant Secretary probably um, not not really, not many known about that uh, name, but uh, uh, generally it is the head of department. So I'm a head of department for the children department in in SOHAKAM. So um, I joined. Uh, Suhakam in May 2020. Prior to that, I was the practicing lawyer for about eight years in Mrs. Jal and Lim, uh, specializing in banking, uh, Islamic banking and banking law. So, um, due to certain issue or, or sort of like uh, 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 looking for better interest, so I pursue my master's degree in international law and human rights. So then after that, I think that my, my interests are more on human rights, uh, child rights, women's rights. So therefore, I, I applied uh, a position in Suhakam and, that, and, and therefore I got the job and offer. And now here I am. Uh, I think um, it's been, it has been two years already in, in the office. So I have, uh, I, I, have uh, I think, around three officers working with me. Um, I oversee three portfolios in, in Office of the Children Commissioner. First is Advocacy and Law. Second is Education and Promotion. And third, uh, Complaint and Monitoring. So we have a Children Commissioner as, as uh, our, our boss to oversee all of us. But currently, we don't have one because our Children Commissioner just uh, finished her term in April this year. So we're currently waiting for a new one. Hopefully, our uh, before this, uh, our children commissioner will be reappointed. Uh, but if not, uh, we are we are happy to work with anyone uh, that going to be a, a children commissioner uh, for next term. Yes, that will be a bit about uh, me and, and my job here. I see. Um, that was a very detailed introduction, I must say. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing with us, and it was nice knowing you, Puan Izian. Thank you. Nice knowing you. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce your name. And Ili, <laughs> I'm worried that I pronounce wrongly. How, how should I call you? Um, my name is Nightingale, but you can just uh, address me as Night. Okay, Night. Right. Very, very nice name. Unique Thank one. You. I think very unique. First Thank time you. knowing this kind of name. <laughs> okay, to start off, we all know that COVID-19 is creating a significant and unprecedented challenge for Malaysia, as with other countries across, across the globe. The crisis is having a profound impact not only on public health, but 
could also lead to the loss of 195 million jobs, mostly in Asia and the Pacific. It is the latest in a growing number of global health, climate and economic crises that threaten to increase hardship, widen existing socio-economic disparities and undermine social cohesion and children at a risk of becoming the silent victims of this crisis, both in terms of their immediate well-being and their long-term life chances. Children in low-income families are particularly badly affected as they and their family are more likely to contract the virus and less able to cope with socio-economic consequences. Yes, um, although Malaysia has been highly successful in reducing absolute poverty, including among children, it should not be forgotten that tens of thousands of people are still deprived of the most basic needs. Furthermore, Attention is rightly turning to measures of poverty that are more relevant to Malaysia's upper-middle-income status. When using the OECD measure of relative poverty, 1 in 5 children, basically 20% in Malaysia, are living in poverty, which is a little higher than most OECD countries, and COVID-19 will increase the child poverty, exacerbate socio-economic disparities among children and undermine Malaysia's long-term vision for a less unequal and more cohesive society. Alright, let us talk deeply about our topic right now. And to begin with, Wan Izian, during the critical period of COVID-19, how are the children feeling mentally and physically? Okay, so from uh, the two and a half years of uh, our office engagement with children themselves, uh, stakeholders, NGOs, and many ministries, majority of children feel anxious, worried, and stressed due to COVID-19 and staying indoors, definitely, uh, because of the lockdown or, or in Malaysia known as Perintah Kawala Pergerakan PKP. So this is due to unknown situation or feeling that if their loved ones get COVID or, and also not being able to go outside, go to school, or meet friends, Peers and feeling trapped. These two main, uh, main stresses are the reasons for children feeling anxious or stressed. So from our interactions with our, uh, we have uh, in our office children consultative council member. Uh, they are a, a sort of like body to advise us, uh, to, to share with us what are their thoughts uh, uh, on, on issues regarding children. So we basically consult, consulting them uh, asking them of their views and thoughts. So from our interactions with them, um, we found out that mental health issues are also a serious problem due to not being able to go outside uh, physically. And then the amount of homework that we've given to them, to the children, the inability to go online due to scarcity of gadgets and internet connection, especially in rural areas, beside uh, no motivation to learn online. So majority of uh, respondents, uh, we did a survey before, in, I think last year, we did a survey on PDPR, on, on uh, uh, home learning. Um, so majority uh, of the respondents from the survey on, on uh, PDPR, the PDPR survey was conducted by our Children Conservative Council members. So uh, it revealed that the effectiveness of online learning is very low compared to physical face-to-face -face learning. So 63% from 7,332 respondents say, this is the whole across the world measure, the 
the, the respondents, they say that PDPR not effective. So many also feel stressed due to having to learn online, not, not being able to cope and understand the syllabus and burden of homework and assignments were one of the main problems causing stress and anxiety. I think if you read newspaper, um, I didn't remember the figure, but I think uh, we received pretty non-attendance of children or students uh, to SPM examination. I think a big number we, we, we read in the newspaper, they did not attend S SPM examination. Why was that? Uh, we really need to figure out on 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 what why why was that happening the reason how what what was what was the factor uh, those kind of 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 of, of uh, things we need to find out actually that will be my answer for the first question okay thank you for enlightening us with this useful information so now we know that not only us the adults that affected mentally and physically throughout covid 19 children are also affected and this proves that COVID-19 has an impact on all walks of life regardless of age, even in a small impact. It's true, Eileen. As Puan Ijian stated, this situation has become a huge concern for the nation as it involves our younger and future generation. One thought that has haunted me since lockdowns began this year is that abuse victims would be locked in with their abuses. In November 2020, a 16-year-old girl was detained for trying to leave Kuala Lumpur during the movement control period. After interrogating, the police found out that she was trying to get to her mother in Kedah and she had been sexually abused by her own father for several months. It is very unfair to see the abuses that always could free. Leaving abused children traumatized during the pandemic period even home feels unsafe for them and they have no and if they get out of the house they are at high risk of contracting the COVID-19 virus. Right, uh, moving on to the next question. Speaking on behalf of Suhakam, what kind of support would you give the children who were badly affected by this pandemic? Okay, um, firstly, um, we go with the parents um, first uh, where we actually try to empower parents and try to advise parents um, to take important role in their hands um, when when they deal with their own children. And they're supposed to be very supportive to their own children uh, to go through pandemic. So we talk to them and say that uh, um, how parents can support their, their kids through the pandemic. So first, we advise that parents uh, should be calm and proactive. They need to have a calm and proactive conversation with their children about uh, the coronavirus disease, COVID-19. And the important role uh, children can play in keeping themselves healthy. So uh, it's very important uh, for parents to, to talk with their children uh, because um, um, children might start to feel symptoms at some point, which are often very similar to the common cool or flu and they do not need to feel unduly frightened of this possibility. So parents should encourage their kids to let them know if they're not feeling well or if they're feeling worried about the virus so that they have to tell the parents. So parents uh, should and, and can be of help uh, if children speak and talk to the parents. 
So adults uh, can empathize with the fact that children are feeling understandably nervous and worried about COVID-19. So parents need to reassure their children that illness due to COVID-19 infection is generally mild. Nowadays, it's mild, uh, especially for children and young adults. So that's why uh, government only basically uh, uh, allow or immunization to children and young adults later in comparison to, to uh, uh, parents and, and and older or elderly people. Uh, it's also important to remember that many of the symptoms of COVID-19 can be treated. So from there, we can remind um, the, the kids that there are many effective things we can do to keep ourselves and others safe and to feel in better control of our circumstances. To quickly wash our hands, to touch our faces, and engage in physical uh, distances. Another thing we can do, um, how we talk with parents, uh, that parent actually can help uh, um, to talk with children and, and tell their children that Kristen, if uh, you're feeling really anxious about catching coronavirus, uh, but part of why we're asking you to do all these things, wash your hands, to stay at home, uh, is that also how we take care of members of our community. So we wanted to tell children, our children, that it's not just about us, about ourselves. It's about community. We have to take care of our community. So, so we have to think about people around us. So it has to be like a, 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 a different perspective. Do not, I mean, we have to teach our children not just to take care about ourselves. It's uh, why we should take, uh, 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 why we should um, take our job. It's because of our community, not just because of us. So that's, that's the mentality that we need to build our children. Secondly, we talk to parents that they need to, to, to actually build a structure or routine for their children. Because um, um, children, they need a structure. They can't live without a structure. Um, basically, parents need to invent entirely new structures to get um, their children to go through their days. Uh, it's best, I would strongly recommend parents to make sure that there's schedule for the day. Uh, including playtime where kids can get on their phone and connect with their friends, but they also should have technology, free time and time set aside to help around the house. Meaning you have to let your child know that they can't just like go and sleep <laughs> during daytime, not doing anything when they're at home, they're not going to school, they have to do something. They, ha they have to have a schedule. And then um, parents need to check, uh, check in with your, their children about what the children are hearing. So because a lot of misinformation circulating about uh, the coronavirus disease, so we must find out uh, what our child is hearing or what they think, it, whether it's true or not, because it's not enough to just tell uh, our child that uh, uh, accurate facts. Uh, because if they have picked up something that it's, that it's accurate, if you don't find out what uh, our children are thinking and directly address the misunderstanding, they may be combined. Uh, the new information uh, uh, you give them with the old information they have. So we have to find out what our child already knows and start from there in terms of getting them on the right track. So it's very important to actually not just telling children what they need to do, but as well to actually hearing them. You need to know what they think. Otherwise, uh, there could be anywhere misconception on something. And then you have to actually go uh, and, and browse relevant websites or information such as uh, trusted organization like 
UNICEF for children's issue and so forth in, in terms of healthcare, you have to browse a, a Google World Health Organization for sources of information. And then um, um, we have for parents, we advise them to actually uh, uh, um, create welcome distraction. Um, when it comes to processing difficult emotion, uh, take your cues from your child and really think a lot about balancing, talking about feelings with finding distraction and allow distraction when kids need relief from feeling very upset, upset, have a family game night every few days or cook meals together. So, and, and lastly, we advise parents to monitor uh, their own behavior. So, because parents parent themselves, they feel anxious as well during COVID-19. They themselves sometimes uh, are feeling worried all over uh, if they got infected. So they first must be calm and must monitor their own behavior so that they don't really express that anxiety or feelings to their children because um, parents need to remember that uh, children are only passengers in the situation and the parents are the driver. The one that drive the car should should be the person that very calm and very leading person, not the one who feel together with the children, being very anxious all over. So that will be our way of uh, 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 solving children issue by actually empowering parent and and educating parent on what they have to do uh, in dealing with their children uh, when when facing COVID nineteen issue. But we also have been engaging with uh, government, especially the Ministry of Women, Family and Community Development, uh, abbreviated as KPEWKM. Um, we basically advocating the ministry to actually improving the helpline, Talian uh, Kasi uh, 15999. We basically uh, told the ministry that um, they need to be a very focused person answering the call. Uh, relating to children issue, children feeling, children complain because that uh, line actually allows so many complaints, uh, not just related to children. So we really need, uh, we told ministry that they need to actually improve the system and the helpline so that um, there is specific people uh, 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 specialized in psychosocial, uh, psychosocial, I think got to do with children, uh, uh, children uh, uh, they're able to actually answer children uh, to work uh, uh, in, in answering the helpline and then um, um, from the survey that we conducted um, where we found that uh, not many counseling support were given to students from schools or teacher uh, and and um, we we found out that man, not many students know that actually there's there, there are counseling units in their school, so we actually prompted the Ministry of Education on this issue, and we basically advising and educating to the ministry to actually working on this, uh, and and to overcome as well the uh, the lost learning generation issue happening uh, during COVID nineteen. So we hopefully uh, hoping for good news from the ministry on on our advocacy work hopefully this year or next year there will be uh, announcements on resolution or solution to the issue brought up by us before yeah thank you for second question okay so we have just heard a reasonable justification from point easy extra information for our listeners 
In order to help the children affected by the pandemic, the Malaysian government has set up Malaysian Family Foundation, or known as Yayasan Keluarga Malaysia, to support Malaysian children offended by the pandemic. This foundation will provide financial support to these children, particularly in their education up until the age of 18. Yes, and the Prime Minister himself said that the foundation was in line with the Keluarga Malaysia concept and a manifestation of Malaysians' care for children affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, such as 19-year-old Nazura Nabila, who now had to look after her seven younger siblings, and Hadrami Hasil, 11, who was left to care for his four siblings after their parents fall victim to the virus. These children are among the 5,173 orphans due to the pandemic, losing not only their parents, but also the happy moments growing up as a normal children. Without wasting more time, we will proceed to the next question. What were their reactions when they first found out that they were not be able to enjoy their lives outdoor like they used to be? Um, when we talk uh, to children, uh, most children that we interview or talk with, um, they said that um, they don't understand what it meant to have a lockdown. They don't know why they have to lock down themselves, why they have to lock down, to lock themselves in, in the house. Just like uh, uh, they don't understand lockdown like adults. So they were confused, they were anxious, uh, but over time, um, uh, not being able to play outside uh, caused them to feel sad, moody, anxious and stressed. So initially, I think um, children are apparently very happy uh, when, when the lockdown was was announced because they they see and they saw their their parents around in home so they feel happy a bit but uh over time i think it's a bit too much for them to just stay inside you know play outside uh, uh, not meet friends and stuff so that's 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 lead them to feel sad moody and, and, and very very anxious and stressed so this is actually a finding uh the the finding that we receive from children uh, it's actually being reaffirmed by, by a report uh, uh, written by UNICEF. I think I can share uh, the, the report uh, with you guys later. There is probably a small group of kids who get long COVID where you might say that there is some direct impact of the virus on the brain. But that's a pretty small group of kids. But overall, when we think about COVID has done, it has really destroyed the infrastructure for kids with mental health problems. During COVID-19, when kids didn't know what to expect, they would have increased rates of normal anxiety and distress because they are not with their friends and they are not at school. They have questions about their future, but that's not pathological. That's acceptable, proportional and understandable, and it will go away when things normalize. As the kids are going back to school, there are also a number of children who felt anxious about going back to school. One case that I read from a news portal online, Alina, whose name uh, has been changed to protect her privacy, felt nervous and her thought of returning to school. The reason why she acted like that is due to the coping with social anxiety and was also ashamed of the scars of her hands and legs as a result of the frequent beatings she endured from her father, 
who had been under too much stress after he lost his job last year following the enforcement to the movement control order. I heard that the irresponsible father took out his anger and frustration on his daughter and warned her not to tell anyone about the beatings. Alina felt hopeless as she had no one to talk to about her problems. In fact, the girl even contemplated suicide at one point because she no longer wanted to live in an abusive environment. Fortunately for Alina, a neighbor came to know of her plight and reported the matter to the authorities and she is now in safe hands. It is still interesting that there were no further actions taken towards the father and I find that really unfair to Alina. Considering that matter settled, I would like to ask for an idiot. How do we want to instill courage in children to face the public? Um, okay, thank you for the question. Um, I was like so disturbed with the situation facing by Alina, uh, the girl you mentioned in your uh, example just now. Uh, I'm happy that she's no longer being abused by the father, but I think something needs to be done to actually uh, bring the father uh, uh, and, and, and actually to... to to do something with the father, justice needs to be done. Um, if you don't mind, you probably wanted to actually uh, uh, expand or extend the, the, the case to us uh, so that we can check further what's going on and what happened to the father. Uh, okay, for back to your question, yes. Um, how do we want to instill courage in children to face the public? Um, basically, the simple ways to instill uh, to, to instill courage, a uh, simple way to instill courage is reassurance to children and also doing fun activities outdoors with children. So I understand that children, when we have been locked down for almost like two, two years, two and a half years, uh, not going to school, so they don't feel like open anymore to talk with people, to talk with their teachers, to talk with their friends. So uh, somehow, um, whether we like it or not, uh, we need to bring out our children from, from home to outside and, and let them mingle around and, and, and talk with people. So this is what I did with my niece last week. I think I brought her to just uh, park to, to have a play with some friends. She feel a bit awkward to talk uh, to others, uh, even to peers at her age. Um, but I think over for over like 30 minutes 30 minutes she can actually cope with it and talk with uh, her peers so i think that is something that need, needed to be done by parents and by us community we have to actually uh, give assurance to children uh, that uh, they, they, they now they can talk and and and, and freely not still have to observe uh, the the do and the don'ts of the COVID 19 uh, and be cautious of COVID-19, but they are now more freely to actually talk with others and doing fun activities, go to playground and doing stuff. Uh, and then I have three tips here, according to Harvard University on child development. When it comes to children, um, we need to actually unload the negative. You know that children, they have, uh, not just children, us as well as, as an adult, we have uh, two things with us, the positive things happening to us and the negative things happening to us. So, um, say if we have 10 negative things uh, happening to us um, and then we have um, 
um, eight uh, positive things happening to us. What we have to do is actually to reduce uh, the negative things happening to us. Uh, if we can actually less, uh, reduce two of the things, uh, of the negative things happening to us, it, it actually can make life balanced. So we have eight negative things and nine negative positive things. So we balance life. So we need to actually figure out what are the negative things happening to us. So some people, they don't actually uh, understand. Is this positive or is this negative? So most of the time, they feel very pressure, very stressed because they see everything is, uh, everything happening to them are negative. Well, actually not true. Some things happen to us is positive, some things are negative. So we have to actually figure it out, uh, ascertaining, and then uh, try to reduce uh, the negative things so that uh, it will reduce uh, our stress as well. Um, you, you have to believe that children uh, spoke to us, speak to us that they actually feel um, stress as well. We must believe that children do feel stress as well. They have the, their own pressure and stress in life. In life. So parents need to understand and first talk with their children and, and try to figure out for them uh, what type of story, what type of matters that are negative to our children, what type are positive and then we can try to balance. Um, and then second thing is try to load up positive sides. So this is as well um, similar. We have positive things and we have negative things. Um, say if we have five positive things and then five negative things. So we must actually help our children to uh, load, upload more on the positive side. How do we do that? Just create some fun activities, go to, 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 to bring, them, bring them toys or bring them to shopping mall just to make fun uh, of their life so that uh, the positive side will be increasing, not decreasing. So that will not just balancing, so you actually uplifting uh, the positive sides. And then the third one is move fulcrum. Move fulcrum meaning strengthening core skills. Um, so when we are facing lockdown, we can't go anywhere, we have to actually try to help our children to strengthen their core skills. What kind of core skill that we can help our children to build? Um, we can actually um, uh, guide our children on how to use Google Meet, uh, on how to actually uh, try and, and help uh, their mother to cook, um, do something that will, will actually build their, uh, their skills, playing guitars, um, um, just taking care of their, their sisters, just doing something that actually can build the children's skills. So this actually will uh, encourage our children to to face the public later on when uh, uh, when the the, the banning or when the the movement control control order have been uplifted so this is the way of how uh, uh, we can actually encourage our children it's true there is no doubt that many people particularly introverts will be less likely to engage with others because they've grown accustomed to not meeting people and prefer communicating through apps like whatsapp What's awful is that when youngsters have this problem, as they should at their age, they're expected to engage with others and show off their talents in the public. But the COVID-19 pandemic, on the other hand, 
has weakened the children's will to face the society and even doing anything. That is the saddest truth behind this pandemic night. When I think about this topic, I think of a child psychologist who is also a senior lecturer at the University of Malaya's Faculty of Education's Department of Educational Psychology and Counseling, Dr. Nor Aishah Rosli. She said that COVID-19 has an emotional, cognitive and behavioural impact on children. She told a scenario of how she confronted a 4-5 student who was a very bright student at school. She was very motivated enough to take the Sijil Pelajaran Malaysia, SPM, at the beginning of the year. But her spirit seemed to wane as a result of what happened, and she personally notified her family of the situation. Despite the fact that SPM has been postponed till the beginning of the next year, with the huge number of COVID-19 cases being reported every day, anything might happen. That is so true, Ili. Not only do they lack confidence in dealing with society, but they also lack trust in what they are doing, including learning, because everything in this pandemic is uncertain. So, Puan Izian, as we know, COVID-19, they have a lot of bad, bad effects towards people. The question is, is there any good influence on children? Um, if there's any, can you explain about it? Okay, um, according to the survey on PDPR uh, conducted by our Children Consultative Council members, um, one of the few benefits of having a lockdown, uh, not COVID-19, a lockdown, uh, that is restrains bullying from happening because they are not meeting physically with peers and also besides, uh, yeah, because, because they don't meet the peers, so they actually, um, uh, the bullying, cases or the bullying thing did not happen to them. So this is the thing that we, we, we think that, oh, it is something pretty good. Uh, there's actually benefit uh, uh, from, uh, actually benefit of having a lockdown or not going to school. Uh, but bullying itself is a different issue that we really need to deal with it because uh, like, whether we like it or not, people or, or our children currently is in school. So definitely bullying case is happening and there's something else that we need to, to deal with. Um, um, and second, uh, our children said that um, uh, the best part is they have they, they are able to actually spend more time with family, so they have uh, more quality and family time at home. So this that's very good as well. And the third positive effect um, of having to stay at home is that children reported that they, they were able to practice uh, better time management. Um, we have this seventy. A sixty-seven percent out of seven thousand three hundred and thirty-two children, uh, they told us that they have better, uh, they they have better time management when they stay at home because they actually learn to actually how to manage their time, and juggling between have to watch TV, have to to actually looking after their siblings, younger siblings, and actually have to go for online schooling. So I think it's it's a good um. Uh, uh, answer and it's a good uh, positive effect uh, given by children when it comes to having to stay at home. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Puan Izian. Although many people are more aware of the negative impacts of this COVID, there are benefits that we receive if we look at it from a positive perspective. Parents, for example, can spend more time with their children. 
This time together can develop family relationships, allow them to get to know their children better, and it also allows them to share their stories with their children. As Oprah Winfrey said, everything happens for a reason, even if we are not wise enough to see it. Moving on to our final question, mental health is a fundamental part of our overall health and well-being. Parents play a huge role in supporting their children's mental well-being, especially during this period of pandemic. How does Suhakam advocate or help the parents with these issues? Or do the parents understand or are aware that these problems is happening to their children? Okay, some parents are aware of their children's issues and um, and very supportive, especially uh, trying their best to provide uh, for their children's needs, including providing gadgets, laptop, uh, and internet for online learning. However, um, awareness level on children's mental health issues is still very low. This is what we perceive from our conversation with parents and children. So Suhakam, uh, particularly our office, uh, OCC, Office of the Children Commissioner, we have conducted um, several programs online to advocate and spread awareness. So among the programs that uh, we held, uh, including webinar on stop violence against children. So this webinar, we basically um, uh, 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 try to to get um, as much as possible awareness uh, uh, among people, uh, from people um, to actually uh, uh, aware on what happening around um, regarding children uh, so that violence will not happen if people are aware of what happening around them or what what happening surrounding them and then second we have webinar on bully includes online bullying uh, this is to address issue of bully uh, happening during COVID-19 and lockdown because uh, yes um, physical bullying not happening because uh, children stay at home and not go to school but online bullying that suddenly appeared to have become very rampant during COVID-19 lockdown time. So we try to address and advocate on, on that issue uh, during COVID-19 and the, that is the webinar that specifically meant for the issue. And then we have webinar on bully, corporal punishment uh, and caning. Um, our office stands on this uh, corporal punishment and caning definitely is a no. Uh, it's prohibited uh, because we are a country, uh, we are our country is signatory to Convention on the Right of the Child, um, and and uh, that convention actually obliged us to observe and and build a law, uh, legislate a law to actually um, uh, prohibit this kind of corporal punishment and caning, and extra definitely bullying. Uh, okay, and then we have a webinar on mental health issues. Um, this webinar we conducted uh, after we receive uh, a findings from the survey of the PDPR conducted by our CCC Children Conservative Council members. We've, we find that it is very vital for us to convene or, or organize this uh, webinar just to actually uh, address this issue and having children to talk about this freely. And, and we actually invited a, a, a psychiatry to actually talk to children and advise children on how they and the mechanism for them to cope 
uh, on this uh, mental health issue on, on and, and, and how actually get children can cope with stress and pressure and difficulty in life. And, and the next uh, webinar we have on neglect and abandonment, um, I think most of us figure out that um, currently we see so many people, um, not so many people, it's so many news uh, we see in the media that uh, neglect and abandonment uh, have been pretty rampant and caused by parents and guardians. So we have this webinar just to address on the issue. And then we have consultation with children and members of Children's Consultative Council on issues during COVID uh, from West Malaysia. The children, uh, the, the, uh, the children were representative from West Malaysia, uh, Peninsula. Uh, we have children from Peninsula Malaysia, from Sabah and from Sarawak also. So we have diversity of uh, children. And then uh, we try our very best to spread awareness during these trying times to all members of the public, including parents, teachers, and people working with children. We also add uh, Office of the Children Commissioner. We have a complaint portfolio where members of the public, including parents, they, uh, they may file a complaint if there are any child rights uh, violations. So as mentioned earlier, um, Office of the Children Commissioner Suhakam has mandates uh, that include advising the government on carrying duties pertaining to human rights, specifically child rights, lifting reservation in the Convention on the Right of the Child and international treaties. Uh, we do education and promotion work uh, and then we actually entertain complaints and, and doing our monitoring work. So that is basically how we advocate or help the parents with the issue and, and um, uh, help parents to understand or aware uh, the problems happening to their children. Okay, uh, I'm also agreeing with what Puan Isian said. We need to be aware that COVID-19 also affects children and it will affect their lives. But after all, our country has also entered the endemic phase. Let us pray that we can live life as usual. I think that concludes our discussion for today. Thank you so much, Puan Izian, for your time in sharing your knowledge and expertise regarding on our topic on how COVID-19 affects children. We truly appreciate your willingness to collaborate with us and I hope to see you again. To all our listeners, thank you for listening to Borak Borak Policy. Don't forget to follow our Instagram at emissioncmp. And you can also listen to our next episodes to gain more insight about our contents. Have a good day, everyone. Bye. Bye.